one day I stumbled into a strategy session. I realized, oh, this is that thing that keeps beating me. If I learn this language, I can decrease the fear in the room by increasing the trust. What's up, brand new experts, Arik here at UVA Design. And in this episode, I interview Douglas Davis and we talk about the creative strategy framework. And Douglas is the principal of the Davis Group LLC, under which he works with his clients, but he's also a chair and professor within the communication design department at New York City College of Technology in Brooklyn. And Douglas holds a bachelor's degree in graphic design from Hampton University and a master's degree in communication design from Pratt Institute and also a master's degree in integrated marketing from NYU, New York University. So besides that, uh, Douglas is also the author of the best-selling book, Creative Strategy and the Business of Design. So Douglas is an expert when it comes to creative strategy, and that's why I really wanted to have him on our podcast today. Hello, Douglas. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on our podcast. Hello, and thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the invite. Let's start with this. So basically in your book, you advise that all creative concepts should, should be based on a solid strategic understanding, right? Absolutely. So, so you say that developing a, a creative strategy will increase the relevance of your work if you are a creative person, or um, this will also help you address your business objectives with the most possible effective you know, creative solutions if you are a business person. Absolutely. So, so you suggest that strong strategic insights that are inspired by data and research will inspire strong design concepts, right? Um, so in your book, you actually reveal your uh, creative strategy framework that helps you organize all this information uh, about any given project. And it helps you find uh, and, and show some strategic insights to inspire your creative work, right? So. Uh, I just wanted to make this podcast actionable for our listeners and talk about this this framework, your creative strategy framework, and how to actually use it. Um, but before that, can you just talk a bit about your journey to becoming a strategist and uh, perhaps about some, some of the benefits that comes along with it, you know, being a, a, a strategic designer? Absolutely. Well, first of all, again, I appreciate you having me. Um, Overall, what I realized over time in my career is that I started to lose battles. I could, you know, build the team. I could create the work. I could manage the team. I could present the work. Um, There was pretty much nothing that I couldn't do with my aesthetic training. So you mentioned uh, BA in graphic design from Hampton University. You mentioned my first master's degree from Pratt Institute in communication design. So that allowed me to gain positions of responsibility relatively quickly. I was always the youngest person in the room. And, you know, back in 1999, when I entered the industry, um, that was during the height of the dot-com era. And so it was great to be able to start the digital arm of uh, one of the best agencies at that time, uh, JWT, it's no longer around anymore. That's Wonderman Thompson now. But to start their digital arm, I realized that, you know, I was there as a freelancer, really bored for about three months. And then one day someone runs into the conference room and says, the client wants a website. And I was like, I know how to do that. And so what was great about that is that I go from freelancer to 
sitting in the uh, president's office and basically talking to the president and the creative director about how much money we left on the table the last three months where I've been coming in here, having a great time, hanging out with people, but being really bored because they didn't really need me to lay, you know, set headlines and things of that sort. So immediately I become uh, the ACD of the digital arm and the digital offering. And we did really well. The challenge though, was that I couldn't actually justify what I knew was right for the client and what I knew would resonate with the audience based on my aesthetic training. So um, I started losing battles and it's because I couldn't justify the business and the marketing terminology. So um, in doing that and sort of realizing that it would come up against the wall, given the context, even though uh, our clients expect all of us to be strategic, anyone who's on their brand, they want you to be strategic. The challenge though is that business school doesn't teach how to inspire designers. And so some of you listening may have been in a situation where you're hired and you brought on, but you're given a brief that's the size of a novel and none of it's useful. So what do you do? You fall back on your aesthetic training. You argue things based on aesthetics. And that's a losing argument as you brought up uh, that I stated in the book. And I say it's a losing argument because we're being we're in the room because we're, we're being asked to solve a business problem with design or through design. And so the whole philosophy here is about organizing the chaos, questioning the answers, and then making, taking, taking the insights that you find in the process and making them into executions by thinking how our clients think or thinking how our business counterparts think. Because when, Design school doesn't teach business. Business school doesn't teach how to inspire designers. And you're on the same team hoping to service a client who expects everybody involved with their brand to be strategic. And your training didn't even teach you to talk to each other. There's a gap. And if you can plug it in a way that you're only dealing with the most relevant strategic pieces to do your creative work, you can not only increase the, the, the trust in the room, by decreasing the fear because you're speaking the same language, but, but you can, in a sense, you can defend your creative work without being defensive because it's on sound strategic footing. That's the whole concept. That's the whole thought process. That's my whole philosophy in a nutshell. Right, right. It totally makes sense. Thanks for making this clear. So, yeah, so as, as you said, you know, this the quote, quote for, from your book is, uh, goes like this, an argument based on pure aesthetics is doomed unless it could be tied to accomplishing a business objective. Absolutely. And you, could, and you talk quite a lot about those different objectives, marketing objectives and business objectives. So, uh, so the next thing I wanted just to like, uh, at least some of the benefits of creative approach so that either designers who want to become strategists or just teams who want to produce work that is more effective or more relevant or just come up with ideas that will allow them to, you know, uh, do, do whatever they want to do, increase sales or, you know, awareness or, or things like that. So can you just, uh, from your perspective, what would be like, what are the benefits of creative approach versus just jumping right into, you know, design execution? Well, the, the benefits are, are plenty and it, 
sort of almost even depends on where you're at in your own career. Are you a freelancer? Are you on staff? Uh, did you just enter the industry or are you mid-career? Are you later on in your career? Because if you think about it, and if, again, I'll go back to 1999 when I was in the industry, you know, I had two choices. I could, and you're, you may remember this, but, you know, back then, that's when Flash was out. That's when Action Script was out, right? So yeah. the challenge there is, do you go downstream more? Do you become a better craftsman? Do you become better at pushing the buttons, right? That's a part of what we do. Or do you go upstream? And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go upstream. I want to learn what they learned to do this. I want to understand the language they're speaking. Um, and so the benefit there, again, if, if and I, as I alluded to this, if you can defend your own creative work without being defensive, it's because you've already incorporated the business and the marketing objectives there. But I think, you know, if, if I give you the thought process concerning the way that the Harvard Business Case Study Method works, which is MBAs at Harvard, they don't, there's no one standing in the front of the room lecturing to them. There's a professor in the room, but the room is set up more like a, a, an arena, theater. And it really is about being able to defend as well as, you know, put ideas on the table that you can articulate as to reason. You know, you're fighting with your mind at that point up there right. where they do it. And this particular model is something that really served me well because I thought, well, it, as creative people, again, think how they think, do what we do. The, the idea there is the benefit is in if I as a creative person who no one is expecting to understand business objective or marketing objective, so to even have that conversation, uh, you, you, you and I both know that there's a bit of a stigma. You know, many creative people have tattoos and blue hair and, and all the different things that allow us to express ourselves as artists on the outside. And I think, you know, in certain teams, it's not necessarily respected and people just think that we draw or they think that, you know, we're the people who do what the smart people tell us to do. And, you know, the benefit of this method becomes you can have blue hair and tattoos and kick the soccer ball and play with crayons. And yet you can also run that meeting. And you can also make sure that you understand exactly that the way that you're making recommendations and using the same exact language by speaking and learning to understand the language of business, because you got to learn both. But in doing that, you are now able to reposition what the transaction is between you and your clients or you and the creative team. So when I spoke of where you're at in your own career, if you're just entering into the industry, this is how you are sure to make sure that you don't just become a higher paid person who presses buttons, who if we really wanted to, we could hire someone who just came out of school for half the money we pay you, right? You could be head and hands. So that's one of the benefits in addition to being able to defend the work without being defensive. That's a huge benefit. I think another benefit becomes if you are a mid-career and you want more responsibility, then you can actually show yourself to be a person who can actually handle that responsibility because you can show yourself to be focused on what the CMO is focused on. You can show yourself to be focused on what the client's focused on. You can show yourself to be, you know, concerned with the business and the marketing objectives and understanding those concepts. That's chapter one in the book. Um, Because at that point, you know, again, when I'm speaking about trust, you know, being able to, to grow a current account 
or to defend a current account because you're not just doing what the client is telling you to do. Any agency or design firm that does exactly what the client is telling them to do is going to get fired for doing exactly what the client is telling you to do because we're supposed to lead the client. But the only way to lead the client is to understand strategy and to make them comfortable taking the creative risks because you are actually providing for them what they need, not what they asked you for, not what they want. It's different. It's different with our kids, right? It's different with us as professionals. We understand, you know, if you do learn strategy, what a brand or a business or an account needs versus just doing what people tell you to do. So there's a huge benefit there. And I've won business that way as a freelancer where I'll come in, answer an RFP, and I'm up against some of the other, you know, amazing firms where, you know, when the people called me, I was actually suggesting that they go call Landor or that they call uh, Wolf Islands or that they, you know, went to talk to Future Brand, right? So I'm suggesting that they talk to the largest, most global, most visible, most known, you know, entities in what we do. And they also say, well, you should also throw your hat in the ring. I know you do this work. And then to win an account and then to ask, because I'm suggesting that they go talk to, you know, the largest, most visible places for this work. And to ask them, well, why did you choose me? Thank you, but, you know, help me to understand what was it. And to be told by a client, well, you challenged us. We told you our problem was this, but you said that's not a problem. Our problem is actually that. That is where the benefit of understanding strategy and understanding business and marketing objectives and really, really understanding to speak and understand the language of business, you can challenge your clients. And I'm hoping that someone listening can feel more comfortable saying no or redirecting the conversation, whether you're on staff or whether you're a freelancer. So there, there are many benefits to being able to adopt this approach and again, the, the framework is really about questioning the answers, but after you organize the chaos, because you have to organize things first. Then you can question the answers. And right now, this is the last piece I'll say on this. Right now, you know, everyone is trying to deal with the pivot that COVID is, you know, putting us into. Everybody's, you know, blink of an eye, everything is being remade. And I think that it's going to be even more important to make sure that we are focused on being able to step into the shoes of what keeps the CMO up at night or what keeps your client up at night. And then from there, looking at what the available information is, the business objectives, the marketing objectives, looking at the market itself, you know, everyone has an opinion, but clients will pay us for our analysis. And therefore the, the Harvard business case study is very similar to exactly what I'm saying in terms of think how they think to do what we do. Step into the CMO shoes, step into the, uh, you know, seasoned senior marketer shoes or into the new business uh, person's shoes or the client's shoes. And yeah. then from their perspective, understand exactly what's keeping them up at night. That's going to help you to be seen as more of a partner and less of an order taker. Nice. A lot of benefits. Nice. A lot, a lot of benefits, but I, I think you just articulated that really well. So, and I like the story. Uh, so since we know some of the benefits of strategic approach now, we want to know how to actually do it. Right. So 
how to use the framework. So let's talk about your framework and how do you actually use it? Because, you know, information can come from many different places, right? You can have uh, some kind of a, a briefing meeting with your client, or if you work remotely, as you say, you know, like during COVID, for example, now, perhaps it's this tendency, uh, you work remotely, uh, uh, your client send you some documents, you have to, uh, you have a bunch of documents, you have to read through them, and then you need to yep. fill in the gaps, perhaps do your own research. So can you speak to that a bit? So how do you, uh, how do you actually use this framework? Absolutely. So um, if any of you out there are listening and you want to go back, um, if you have the book, it's on page 42, what I'm about to talk about, the creative strategy framework. But chapter six and seven are completely dedicated to this. So you'll be introduced to this creative strategy framework on page 42, but chapter six and seven, you get the deep dive. So how do you use it? Um, I've used this to weave strategy into our create into my creative process and, and to do that in a way that what I'm using is focused only on relevant information. And this is going to ensure that any of your work is on brand, on strategy and on message. So any senior designers, any art directors, any creative directors out there, um, you probably know this, but you know, sometimes the only way to have a sound strategy is to write it yourself. So this tool is going to be able to help you. There are four columns and three steps to using this. So first column is the target. And you're going to want to define that target in terms of demographic psychographics, as well as behavioral characteristics. Right. The second columns is about the facts and you'll need to at some point decide whether you're dealing with the scope of your project. If it, is it the brand itself or is it a particular product or service that's underneath that brand umbrella? So make that decision first and then write all the facts in. And then this, the third column is features and benefits. And you'll need to always understand that a feature is a tangible attribute that defines the product. A benefit is to the consumer. That's something that, a, that that feature enables, right? So our features, we have eyes, we have ears, we have nose. Uh, those are our features. The benefit is that I can hear a truck and get out of the road. I can save my life with my right. hearing, right? So you'll have to think about that and really itemize and drill down on what it is that you're doing and figure out which features enable what benefits to the consumer. And then lastly, depending on what you're doing, uh, the last column is objective or message. Now, the message is what should a target take away from your communications and whatever touch point they come into contact with them. An objective is a verb. You know, I want to convert, I want to drive, I want to engage, I want to build, I want to grow, I want to increase, I want to decrease, I want to, you know, do this by that percent among X target, which is the first column. So that's how, that's what it is. And this is a way to organize the chaos. Now, in my experience, the best way to get utility out of this is to go into that kickoff meeting and immediately write down what you're hearing from the client into this framework. Right. Okay. So right. immediately taking what you're hearing and organizing it as soon as you hear it. Right. That's the first thing that's going to help you out if you do it that way. And then from there, you can take that information and you can go back to the whiteboard with your creative team. You can continue the strategy session because, yes, you're going to get information, but you're probably not going to get everything. So step one is really about quantity and you're going to just exhaust all the the, the information that you can think of and you're going to read what the client gives you and, 
You're going to fill in some more blanks uh, from what the client didn't give you. And you're going to read as much as you can. Um, and what you don't want to do in this particular first step is judge everything. A lot of us uh, as creative people, you know, we write something down and it took forever to write that thing down and we start judging, Oh, it's stupid. And we start second guessing ourselves and then we erase it. And then before you know it, nine hours have gone by, you don't have anything. So it's going to be really important for you to sort of just decide that, you know what, we're just going to go with what we see and think and focus way more on where something goes in the chart versus whether it's stupid or not. Okay. So that's going to be the, 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 a very important first step. And you got to always remember that, um, you know, you're not going to receive the information in the meeting. Like they're not going to talk about the target first and then immediately talk about the brand. And then from at that point, talk about the features and benefits and then talk about the objective or message. It's going to be random, right? You, you don't know where the client is going to start it, and where they start is probably going to be based on whatever business problem they're facing or if the environment shifts like right now with COVID, right? Decisions are made completely different. The customer journey is completely different. So you're going to hear what they care about based on where they start, but you will have to then figure out where things go. Now you got to remember, you know, this is a development process and you know, th this is a framework. So it's only as good as the information that you put into it. And I've, I've often left, the you know, briefings with either too much information or relevant information, but I have never ever left the briefing with all the information. And so this is where my own research comes in to fill in the blanks. But even then, you know, when you get all the information, quote unquote, you got to will it down to the right information, which brings me to the second step, which is quality. So remember, yeah. first is quantity, second is quality. And this is where you have to question the answers, okay? So every single column Every single piece of information that you've written down, there are specific questions that you're going to now have to ask yourself, such as, so if we're talking about the target, right. you know, what's the most important demographic, psychographics, or behavioral info, and why, right? Now, that's all relative to what problem you're solving, right? So, for instance, if, you know, you might be working with a brand or some sort of, you know, business problem that it will make way more sense for you to focus on the psychographics of the behavioral characteristics of somebody versus whether they're a man, woman, right? Black, white, like, you know, right. right. So that's, again, this is where I'm challenging designers to really start to think about what it is and why. Now we are going to take a quick break here, but we will be right back. Listen, my mission is to help people design iconic brands. So whether you're a business leader who wants to be more intentional with branding and all of its aspects, or you're a creative who wants to attract powerful clients and truly be able to help them with branding, then you need to start with a discovery session and then develop a strategy that will inform all your creative work. And everything you need to learn how to do that, you can find in my online courses at ebegdesign.com forward slash shop where I share with you my worksheets, case studies, video tutorials, and other additional resources to help you feel safe and strong about your process. Now let's get back to our conversation. And, and you know, really question those answers that you come up with. So, for instance, another question that you could ask for the facts column could be, and I always come back to this question, can we build a campaign or a concept on that? That's going to be the defining factor of what stays. Now, oftentimes you're going to be able, if you do this in a, in a group setting, if this becomes your whiteboard session, 
oftentimes you're going to be able to get two, three different multiple viewpoints on the same piece of information. And in those sessions, that's actually the most valuable. That's what you really want. The whole process of this alignment exercise is really about inquiry, right? We don't know enough to advocate for a specific solution yet. Like we have no idea yet. So this is about inquiry. And so questions, question, question those answers. Um, so questions you could ask for the third column, which is the features and benefits, right? Is this a complete feature list? So if we're talking about an iPhone and I always reach for that as an example, because everybody knows what the iPhone is. Um, yeah. You know, touch screen is a feature. Um, if you have uh, an iPhone that still has the fingerprint scanner, front facing camera, the um, storage size and the yeah. process on the inside, like, you know, you really have to itemize this thing and really understand exactly well, what are the benefits that are enabled from that touchscreen? What are the benefits that are enabled from that processing power? What are the benefits, right? So it's one-to-one -one and, I, and I force people to really drill down because you're, you're literally getting down to the essence of what this thing is, each individual element. And then, well, what exactly does the actual consumer care about as a result of that thing? This is how you're gonna really get granular about this stuff. Because think about it, your clients know all this, right? You're just gonna deep dive into it right now and you're gonna show them that you also know all this, that you've also thought about the analysis. Because remember, everybody has an opinion, but our clients as creative people will pay us for our analysis. So this is the ability to sort of draw that analysis out of you. And then the last column, a question could be like, well, you know, what should the target leave with in terms of messaging, right? Yeah. Once they come in contact with our digital or our branding or our campaign work. But if you're pitching, this is really about, well, what objectives are we proposing for the client? We know what they asked us for, but what are we going to suggest to them, right? Mm -hmm. And so the last step here, once you, you know, go to quality, because remember, when you're thinking through quality, some of the stuff is going to be eliminated. Yeah. So, you know, quantity, first step, quality, second step. But the third step is now when you've eliminated and you've questioned those answers, you can now start to see the threads that emerge across categories, right? So then at that point, it becomes, well, let's connect the dots here. Let me look across the categories and let me take a target, match it with a, a, a feature, sorry, a fact about the brand product or service. Let me connect that with a feature or benefit that we could actually use to develop headlines or copy or concepts. And then let me then connect that with either imparting a message or let me connect that with how we're gonna achieve a specific objective. And you'll remember, I've said this a couple times that when you can start to defend your creative work without being defensive, it sounds like this. Based on the target's need or behavior, we can start a conversation centered around this fact or truth, using this feature or benefit in any headline or copy to deliver this message or to accomplish this objective. So when you think about how to take this in three steps, four columns, right, right. to a point where you're walking into a room with business or marketing people or a client, doesn't matter, and you're able to defend your work without being defensive, this is how you got there. And I'm hoping that in thinking through how to break this down, um, you know, creatives will really spend some more time because again, we can't be concerned with only what's in the creative uh, team. You have to be concerned with what's going on on the outside of creative team because 
those business marketing or new business uh, counterparts that we work with or the client, they're not going to learn typography. They're not going to learn Pantone colors. It's not going to happen. So it's your job to think how they think to do what we do. And this is one of the tools that's helped me to organize the chaos, question the answers, and then turn the insights into executions. One last point on this. Yeah. When you pull out these threads, you can either A, write a creative brief based on this, B, start to immediately come up with actual executions, creative concepts based on this, or you can C, figure out where you need to ask for more information. So all of this as a tool, you can not only use this to um, you know, make real work, it's a whiteboard session, it's the template for writing a brief. It's the beginnings of like thought starters for creative concepts. But I think most importantly, if you are a creative person and you decide, you know what, I want to, you know, rethink my own brand. You can also put yourself into the product column, you know, column two. And if you do that, your target is creative directors, right? Or senior designers. And, and you can really think through how your own value is something that you market for your own benefit, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, that's so this is a great, great tip for, for designers, right, to work, yeah, perhaps to try out first on their brand, right? Uh, so just yeah, to sum absolutely. up, yeah, uh, just because you took over, I really wanted to like dive in, but you, you already took over and, and you did, uh, and you walk us through actually uh, each part and each column, which is awesome. And uh, so I just wanted to sum up for our listeners. So basically, you can use this uh, framework as a kickoff meeting. Um, so where you start putting all this information and it doesn't have to be in any particular order. You just, you know, that's right. Uh, you just ask questions and you just fill, fill in those information and you go for quantity first. So you just gather as many as much information as possible. Uh, you don't judged like like you said you know it, it doesn't matter if it sounds stupid at this point because the second step is to go for quantity quality uh so we're gonna right. eliminate some of this information that is less relevant uh, so what else and, and then the third step is to just look for those threads so once we have uh, so the first step we go for quantity again then we go for quality we eliminate some of this information and then we look for some we just try to connect the dots and, and, and try to connect some items from each column and see what makes sense, you know, horizontally connect them. So either, and with that, we can either write a creative brief or we can just, uh, you know, go into developing a, a concept based on that or just, you know, check for more information if we need that, right? Um, That's right. So perhaps we can just fly over again. I know that you already explained uh, all those parts. I just wanted to perhaps give uh, our listeners some like uh, examples because for example, in your book, you, um, you know, there are some like, fam you mentioned some of the, those famous brands like Planet Fitness or Nike. And I think mm -hmm. it's great because we all know these brands or famous brands and we can all relate. So we can just understand the concept behind it. So starting with the target audience. So here you mentioned things like demographics and psychographics, yeah. uh, segmentation. So can you give us some examples so, uh, for, you know, what kind of information we can put, put in there? Mm -hmm. So it's really important to really think through, well, who am I talking to, right? Because that's going to determine where you speak, what tone you use, 
Um, it's going to determine whether outdoor is better than digital ads, right? So that behavior is really important. That's going to determine the adoption of new technology. That's going to determine whether someone lives in a city versus they're, you know, in, in, in a rural place. Um, you're going to learn whether that person takes uh, mass transit or whether they drive, right? So all of this is going to be really important to understand how exactly you're going to encounter them. So what is the customer journey? How many times do we have to actually reach someone before they then respond to a message, right? So in thinking about the purchase funnel, as well as, you know, some people use purchase funnel, some people use the customer journey, but you really do have to understand exactly what the need is, right? Is there a pain point? Is this particular customer running away from something or so I live in New York and uh, for a number of years I lived in Manhattan and uh, there was a cable service named Time Warner Cable. I hated it. Everybody hated Time Warner Cable because let's say you had an issue with your cable and you, you know, you scheduled for them to come over. There was this five hour window that they would come over in and sometimes they wouldn't show up. So you'd have to take off work and they didn't show up. And so because of the way that the cable business is, it's all monopolies. And at, during that time, I lived in Central Park North, so it was a historic space. And so you couldn't actually get direct TV because you, you weren't allowed to put a satellite outside, right? So again, I'm, I'm held hostage here. I hate my cable <laughs> provider. I hate it, right? I, I was switching yesterday, but I can't because of where I live and because of the way the business is run. So it's going to be very important if you're creating something, if you're, um, you know, a challenger for Time Warner Cable, you're going to want to make sure that you understand that people hate this particular service. And then, well, why do they hate it, right? So all of that's going to help you to understand the psychographics. How does someone think? And then what is their behavior? So why do I hate it so much? Well, if there's a storm and there's an immediate outage, even though every single month I'm looking at my bill and even though I didn't order anything special, there's $15 added to this thing. And if I don't watch you guys, you guys are stealing from me. So I have to call up, takes me 30 minutes to get someone to then go down my bill to then see that there's a mistake, but that happens every single month. That's crazy, right? So, if, and understanding, well, why do I hate this brand? Well, you don't do what I need you to do, right? I need my internet service to be continuous. And for whatever reason, you're not able to have that service if there happens to be some light weather somewhere. And so then that impacts my ability to serve my own clients or that impacts my ability to do what I need to do. And so therefore, if I'm working on a challenger brand, if I'm working on something else, another choice, then I need to understand all of that stuff. But if you're thinking about a drug, let's say, let's say at that point, the demographics might be most important because maybe I need to understand that there are age considerations to taking the risk, right? Mm -hmm. The point is, right. I think you can you know, really understand what I'm trying to say, that if you don't know who you're talking to, and let's say that there was a three-year-old French girl, there is a 40-year-old American person, and then there is an 80-year-old, you know, Spanish gentleman, you know, and you got to communicate to all those people that there's a fire, right? 
So for a little kid, you may need to bend down and get to eye level, right? And just try to like reassure them that they're going to be okay, but we have to really rush, right? You can't take all your toys. There's a different tone you take with a little kid, right? But in the person who is, you know, able-bodied and and as old as you are, you can, you know, shout and be like, we got to bounce. But then what about that 80-year-old Spanish gentleman, right? I'm going to have to speak a completely different language with him, Right. Right. And I got to know that or else I'm in trouble because we're in an emergency, right? So I think, you know, I use that analogy just to show how important it is to be understood. And I think, you know, oftentimes when, whenever we're creative people, and again, we are taught to focus on the tactical parts of what should be larger strategic decisions. But if we're not, if we don't spend a significant amount of time really understanding some of the things that we were not taught to actually take a deep dive into, then Think about that. We pour our heart and soul into our work and then we go into a room full of people who we don't know and then we present something really intimate that we put a lot of energy into and then it gets ripped up or it dies on the table. And that's because we didn't actually understand how to walk into that room, how to understand our audience, how to use the language that they understand and how to then think how they think in order to help them to achieve what their goals are, what they will be judged on in their performance review, what keeps them up at night. At that point, it's a completely different conversation. You're going to use a completely different tactic. I'll leave you with this last thing. As creative people in the creative group, we're going to want to tell you a story. And we're going to talk about you know, what we saw, we're going to talk about the journey to get to that idea, which is going to be last, right? And we're going to talk to you about how we got there. And it's going to be really interesting. And all of us are going to be interested because that's what we do. Problem with going into a room full of business people with that tactic is that that's not how they present. And you lost them, right? Because now they're, they're focused on, well, why are you telling me all this? So it's the complete opposite as a creative person. When you walk into a business sort of environment, you have to give the recommendation first immediately. And then from there you talk about why do you see how those are completely different, but they're different based on who you're talking to. And that's where, if you can understand that, you can understand why it's so important to focus on all the elements that are in the creative strategy framework. Think how they think to do what we do. You have to understand who they are before we can figure out, well, which tools are relevant so that the objective, the objective is that the work doesn't die on the table because we weren't able to actually explain why it was relevant in the first place. Right. So, so you can hopefully defend your that's going to end exactly right. without so, being defensive. Right. So you can defend your work so you can decrease, uh, uh, like, uh, their concerns and, 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 and increase trust, right? And, and just defend your work, articulate on your work, right. why you are doing this, why this kind of uh, whatever it is, is some creative solution, typeface, a color, or, or, uh, or just an idea. So uh, just to sum up, so you really need to uh, research your target audience and it really depends on what kind of uh, business is this, you know, who you are talking to, as you, as you said, uh, right. it, it can be about demographics, psychographics, but you really need to understand the customer journey and, and you can check some reviews, you can talk to customers, you know, you can do many different things. You can, you can be a customer yourself, you know, and, and experience the brand and see right. 
the the good and bad things about that brand you know uh so that's so that's the first thing then then we have the column facts right so which is uh basically of uh, some facts about uh the brand a product or service underneath right so this is uh, literally everything you can find and the biggest thing about this is that let's say you're working with a public brand you know a nike or a coca-cola something really big that's public the one of the best tools you can find is the sec the securities and exchange commission website so every single quarter these brands have to file different uh, documents with the SEC because they're public. And one of the documents that's been the absolute best in helping me to understand exactly what's going on inside of a brand is the 10K statement. So if you go to the SEC website, the Securities and Exchange Commission website, and again, this is only if you're working with a, a public brand, but if you find the 10K statement, there's a section in the 10K statement that's on risk. And right there, they tell you every single thing that they're afraid of, whether climate change is going to be an issue for the business in the future. If this new product is going to be, uh, you know, from a competitor is absolutely going to be the thing that is going to give them a problem in X amount of years. You're going to be able to find out everything that they're scared of and they tell you themselves. And so, again, as creative people, we learn Pantone or we learn um, you know, different programs, but we don't learn this stuff, right? And so in learning it and then finding out what they're looking at, you can really come up with things that no one is going to expect you to even know, much less factor in to the work. And so remember, this is a framework and it's only as good as the information that you put into it. So when it's time for you to question the answers on step two and figure out how to whittle this down to quality, right? You have to make sure that your research found quality stuff. Now you might not keep it all, but the point is that if you don't find things beyond a cursory web search, you're not really going to create any like insightful, deep, you know, research. And therefore your work is going to be the same. It's going to be shallow as well. It's going to be shallow, right. Right. So yeah, this is great. And this is a great tip that you just gave us, uh, uh, how to find, you know, all those, their concerns, you know, um, so the next, so the next column is, I just want to fly, you know, uh, I know that we are approaching the end of, uh, our, uh, uh, call, but just to like, uh, sum it all up. So features and benefits. So you mentioned, you know, you mentioned that features are, are, um, tangible, uh, you know, so it's like, uh you have a touch screen right or you have this this yep. like a one terabyte capacity right but but actually how does it benefit you so then you um think about corresponding benefits you know uh, from the co customer's perspective so how this, this is hard this this yes. particular section is very difficult because it really does force you to be as specific as possible and again you know this is creative and strategic development art right so what am I saying? I'm saying that development takes a few times. It's exactly that. It's an iterative process, right? So you can't right. just do it one time or two times. It doesn't work that way. It's development. So this is going to be, and now, now I want to point out something uh, as well. So if you look at four columns, right? The first column is, is, is the target. And if you think about it in the third column, there's features and there's benefits, right? 
So the second column is the, the facts. Now, if you look at the features, right, the brand, the second column is concerned with the features, right? Right. The benefit is what the first column is concerned with, the target. So mm -hmm. this is a way to connect all of the elements. And, and again, like I, I developed this while I was at NYU um, because it was a way for me to take this completely new discipline, terms, concept, like I had no idea, I'm you know, a creative person in business school and wanted to shoot myself in the face because it was so painful. And yet what I got out of that is the understanding that if I don't figure out a way to organize this stuff, I'm not going to be able to utilize it. And so if, if you look at this thing across categories and you understand exactly what I'm doing is I'm making creative people focus, really drill yeah. down. And that's yeah. what's going to help you. And, and I think uh, creatives, perhaps they should understand that this is an iterative process because, you know, as design is iterative process, right? You don't just yes, come up with a exactly. bunch of concepts. So exactly. the same, same, same regarding strategy. So you're going to try few things you're just not gonna get it probably everything you know 100% perfect at once uh, so you really need to dig deeper and as you said this column is probably uh, it's very important right so you're gonna spend a lot of time here and, and and the last and the last one is message or objective so and you quite a lot you talk quite a lot in your book about uh, about the business and market if objective so for example clients come to us you know they they say they need a logo or a new website so uh, you need true. to either figure out what's the business objective behind that and try exactly. to extract that information from them or uh if it's a pitch as you as you said before then you just need to uh, like make some decisions of what kind of message you want to convey what what you want the target audience to walk away with, right? Yes. And this is really important because, you know, many of you may be art directors or designers, right? So you are dealing, you're used to dealing with pictures. And what I'm forcing you to do is think about the writing, the words, right? And it's funny because uh, one of my professors at Pratt is you know, Tony Despina. Uh, he was one of Herb Lubalin's partners. And he would always say, you know, we, we've all heard that a word is worth a thousand pictures, but in the hands of the right designer or creative person, uh, uh, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. Sorry, I messed that up. Um, you know, we've all heard that a, a, a you know, picture is worth a thousand words, but in the hands of the right designer or creative person, a word is worth a thousand pictures. And so what I'm saying with that is that if you choose the right words and you're thinking about this as someone who's writing a creative brief, let's say, you can put these words together using this, this framework and you can put the words together in a way that we can then inspire the creative team to think about the images that are popping into their head as a result of the words that you're putting together. And it's a powerful thing and I've seen it and I've been able to sort of you know, develop the ability to write, um, which was a very hard skill to learn, especially when, you know, you're used to dealing with images, right? You're used yeah. to dealing with typefaces, what things look like. But I, I have to argue that just as we express who we are in our fashion, in our clothes, in our colors, you know, our tattoos and, and what we might do with our hair, um, you know, how we put stickers on our Macs, right? 
it's the same exact thing that words are also an outlet for our creativity. And I want to just challenge everyone listening to really stick with the ability to use words in the same way and as the same type of outlet as we're used to using pictures. And this is going to help you a great deal to either gain additional responsibility or reports in the, in at wherever you're at in your career. It's going to help you to enter the industry with an edge on people who just enter as hands because you're going to enter as head and hands. And when some hands are hired and maybe they're better than you at, at doing pushing buttons, you know, you will be someone who is seen as, as uh, invaluable because you can think you can, come up with a strategy behind what those hands are going to produce. Or let's say you've been in the business for a while and you need to like continue to, to remain relevant. It's going to be really important for you to learn strategy and to really learn the writing part of what we do, because there's so much communication that happens in the creative process from being brief to the actual documents themselves, creative briefs or strategy sessions or strategy documents. And if you are able to develop that, capability to use words as a creative person, then in a sense, you are facilitating that communication that's between the the brand or product or service and the target, because you are able to make sure that the quality of communication between the people involved in bringing those messages, that that's increased, if that makes sense. That's going to help you a great deal. So, so yeah, just to sum up, so words really matter and, and you need to be good at words and communication. And, and I think um, many designers can relate, you know, we all like uh, designers are good uh, with images, you know, like from my own experience, I remember, you know, from my, you know, I graduated from art school as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. They don't, they don't really teach you uh, those, uh, you know, uh, uh, about business, you know, and, and, and how to look at, uh, at those projects from, from the uh, client's perspective, right? And, and so you're more, mostly focused on aesthetics and you don't yeah. really like, you graduate and you don't really know how to defend your work and then you go into, you know, uh, onto working with some clients and, 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 and you can lose some of them, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think and you most will. of us... Yeah, and you will, and most of us go through that, and 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 the way to to level up and to really um, win those clients, more of those clients, or, or or just produce more relevant and more effective work is to just do create run, uh, cre- uh, conduct workshops or run uh, um, discovery sessions with your clients, and then take it further and do your own research, and so to be able to defend you know what whatever concepts you come up with you can articulate well in the way that they understand so you speak their language right 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 and Um, eric i'll I'll leave you one piece one last piece before i go grab my son uh who's two actually um a little shout out to little john uh today's my birthday as well by the way oh yeah Um, happy birthday yeah 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 thanks um I'll leave you with one piece. Um, yeah. You know, before COVID, I'd have told you as a creative person that the way to advance in your career is to learn strategy. Um, now that COVID has happened, I, I don't think that it's not to learn strategy, but I think that there are additional skills that you must learn. And I'm gonna leave you with this. New systems design, operations, 
decentralized decision-making, forecasting. These four things are the new essential skills for designers. Think about it. Every single aspect of our lives globally has had to pivot. Every single thing in the blink of an eye is different. And now I would argue that in, on top of the strategy parts that we talked about today, you must, you must build on top of that. It's, a, it's an essential skill. I cannot stress this enough. You have to build on top of that forecasting, new systems design, thinking about operations, as well as decentralized decision-making. You will have to be the person who understands exactly what to do when no one knows what to do. And the only way to do that is to focus on your process. So what we talked about today, in addition to being able to understand that you will be asked to find constants in the variable environment because everything has had to pivot. Every business has had to figure out how to either take what they have on hand and figure out how to do the same thing in a completely different way or how to take what they have on hand and do a completely new business with that same stuff. So right now it's key. You must develop the new skills and it's as a result of COVID. And, um, you know, I'll leave you with that. And I know that that's a lot to think about, but I, I'm telling you, this is how we are going to survive. These skills will always shift and it's not any different than you having to learn strategy or having to learn uh, coding or having to learn new typefaces or having to learn Slack. That, this is what we do as creative people. We have to learn new ways to do the same thing. And I'm telling you that these are the things that you have to learn now to remain relevant in this new environment. Thank you for having yeah. me. Great. Thanks for this. This is our yeah. So this is opportunity for us to advance now during this those times. So oh, yeah. as we are approaching the end, yeah. So as approaching the, the end of uh, our episode, please just let us know how we can get find more about you and and the work you do, either for clients who want to work with you, or uh, you know designers who want to find more about you, or just uh, you know uh, I'm gonna include links in the description to your book, of course. Um, a, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Well, you can find me on Twitter um, at Douglas Q Davis, um, or you can find me um, at on Instagram IG at D Q U E J U A N, or on Facebook um, Professor Davis on Facebook, um, or you can go to my website thinkhowtheythink.com, and I hope to hear from you. All right. Thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. That. Thank you for having me. I very much appreciate it. Thank you, Douglas. So this is it for today's episode. And make sure to go and check out the Douglas's website and follow him on social media. And you can find all the links on this episode's page at ebexdesign.com slash podcast slash nine. So thanks for tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to my podcast for more tips on branding, strategy, and design. This was Arek Dvorniczak from ebexdesign.com.